Hi guys and welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Indira and today I'm joined by two sports and public health nutritionists, Fran and Kate from the Performance Canteen, which specializes in helping young athletes fuel their best performances. This week kicks off the start of having experts on the podcast, which is super exciting. I can't wait to bring you guys more knowledge and more facts. We've got plenty more experts lined up. And one quick thing, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you're enjoying the show, please be sure to leave a rating. It really, really helps and would be much appreciated. So I know if you guys are enjoying this. And while we're on the topic, there is a feedback form in the link in my bio on Instagram at fitterfasterhappier. So any thoughts, comments, feedback, please just fill that out and let me know. And thank you so much to the person who has submitted a response. It's completely anonymous, so I don't know who you are, but thank you very much. So let's get into it. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Hi there. Um, I'm Fran and I am one half of Performance Canteen along with Kate. And as Indira's just said, yeah, we work with young athletes and their parents helping to kind of navigate through that nutritional minefield of information that there's out there. We know social media provides us with a lot of information some of which is helpful some of which is not and um, we're here to kind of help give some clear sensible advice for both you know young athletes and their parents and the coach hi and I'm Kate and absolutely yeah as Fran said just helping young young athletes understand really where food fits in and how it helps support their training and how it helps them get the most out of themselves and helps them reach their goals really that's our aim Brilliant. So let's get cracking. So why is nutrition so important for athletes? Well, nutrition is important for all of us. And first and foremost, we need to consider nutrition for health and growth and development before we can start to think about performance. Because if those nutritional needs aren't met, it's going to be impossible to perform at your best. So it's just really important to understand quite how much the body needs just on a daily basis, just for growth for health, for schoolwork, but um, young people are, are rapidly growing. So their nutritional needs are, are big anyway. Then if you put training on top of that, you suddenly get quite a big nutritional demand on these young athletes. And it's something that isn't often spoken about or it's it's not really um, considered as part of the training. So there's often, without realising it, a big gap between actually what what they're spending and what they're investing in terms of nutrition, which means that uh, young athletes are often kind of operating in a bit of a deficit, which is stressful for health. And it's also impossible to get the best out of yourself performance wise if there's not enough coming in. So it's a really key part of the performance outcome. So nutrition, training and rest have to all be optimal really to get the best out of yourselves so we're trying to kind of fly the flag for nutrition and where it fits in in helping young people achieve their goals yeah absolutely and do these nutritional needs vary quite a lot you know between say the teenage years and then moving into your 20s yeah so nutritional needs um teenagers have higher energy requirements um and they have higher requirements for certain nutrients because they are growing 
and they are developing. So, for example, iron requirements for both teenage boys and girls are going to be higher and calcium requirements because you've got an increase in bone mass, an increase in muscle mass, an increase in blood volume. So there are certain nutritional um, needs or, or certain micronutrients, kind of vitamins and minerals that are going to be higher, but also overall energy needs because as Kate was saying, you know, we need to fuel growth and development and health. But then there's also the the general level of activity on top of that. And I think people underestimate exactly how much energy a teenager needs. And as uh, working with parents, you know, a lot of the stuff we get is, oh, my God, they eat so much. They're always hungry. I can never seem to fill them up. And, you know, as a young athlete, you're expending a lot of energy but you're also growing on top of that. So, you know, in terms of calorie requirements, obviously it varies hugely depending on size and activity and, and all of that. Um, but for a an active, say, six foot, uh, or no, we're talking girls here. So for, so for an active, you know, five foot six um, runner, you could be looking at between an three thousand possibly four thousand calories a day you know it, it's a lot yeah absolutely I mean that is a lot more than your standard NHS you know 1800 2200 kind of ballpark do you know what as well with those figures that although we understand why they need to be sort of guidelines but the thing is you know they say for an average adult or for an average female and you know show me an average female or an average adult adult there's no such thing and also those numbers are really really low and they are and obviously teenagers aren't adults for one and they're not average when they're athletes and they're you know they they so if you're being governed by guidelines or labels or looking at labels it can become quite confusing and whilst we want them to understand quite how much they need we also don't want them to be too hooked on a cat on the calorie number because that then can become a bit of an obsession or it can become an unhealthy so it's really important what we always encourage is actually listen to your body like you that you there's one you there's only one you on the planet and you know you best and you're doing your own kind of research into your training, your your performance and what you need. And actually, our goal is we, we're always trying to help um, athletes understand, listen to their cues. What are the signs that maybe you're not eating enough? So what are the, the trick? What are the signals? It's not just hunger. Um, it's when you've got uh, dips in performance or taking longer to recover than usual or picking up little, little niggles and aches and pains or getting more frequent coughs and colds or maybe a bit more grumpy more regularly which obviously is teenage behavior anyway sometimes but or just sleepy or craving sweet foods or waking up tired than you were when you went to bed all these things are really important to kind of identify and keep track of yourself so then you can start to think oh perhaps maybe I need to be putting a bit more in rather than just thinking about the numbers um, and also because each day is slightly different and sometimes if you're always aiming to have say like 2000 calories like it might suggest on a label that's not applicable for a, a heavier training day that we have different needs and sometimes we're trying to fit round square peg round hole and actually it doesn't work like that as we know um, I went a bit off tangent there but it's just sort of the, the key is yeah 
listen to your own signals and if you're training more you need to eat more like it's sort of you think at the beginning of the day what's ahead of me today okay the more i need to do the more i need to fuel it's a bit like going on a long car journey you need to put more more fuel in the tank for that and it's helping people just stop and think for a minute of what's ahead and what i need to put in rather than just wing it because that's what generally happens um so factoring the fuel into the the daily demands so in terms of you there, you mentioned, you know, focusing more on listening to your body as opposed to the numbers. But I guess sometimes with, say, running, it can be a bit of a hunger suppressor, an appetite suppressor. And so and I guess it also depends on what type of food you're eating. I mean, you could feel full after a large salad, but that wouldn't necessarily fill you. So how do you kind of decipher between the, the type of food you're eating and and that causing you to feel full or maybe being hunger suppressed from training or a heavy session versus listening to your body and its actual energy needs? Yeah, that's a a really good question because, you know, you're right, certain foods are high in fiber, but low in calories. Um, And, you know, whilst that is good in some ways, um, when we're looking at fueling active um, you know, teenagers, we want to make sure that they are eating enough. And as Kate said, under fueling is, is one of those um, things that is more common than, than we realise. So um, I think, uh, well, it's, it's making sure that we have energy dense foods. Um, so things like we are always big fans of things like going full fat on your milk and yogurt rather than going for a, a semi-skimmed or a skimmed. Um, having, you know, really good sources of fat in the diet. So like having avocados and nuts and seeds and nut butters um, and things like that are really good ways of getting energy in um, with a low density as well, because, uh, you know, things like veg is is high volume and that keeps us fuller uh, or, or, or makes us feel fuller quicker, but then we'll get hungry again. So yeah, combining, you know, the Uh, combining foods that are energy dense with foods that are high in fiber as well. Um, And then I think looking at the um, appetite suppressant of like, yeah, um, when we run, the blood gets diverted away from our stomach. So we don't feel as hungry. So again, things like liquid energy is, is quite a good thing. So like something like straight after training, although we might not feel hungry, it's, kind of building in practices that help to to fuel us and building in something that um, we've got a bit of a framework so knowing right okay I'm no not hungry but I'll if I have something like a a, a milk smoothie or a chocolate milk straight after practice that will give me something straight away and that might help stimulate my appetite to have something again afterwards and I think so just to interrupt like that is where the education is so important and that's why we're kind of trying to do what we're doing is actually give as much knowledge and advice and say you know after training you're not going to feel actually particularly hungry but you need to override that because that's when that's the time actually it's most well one of the times it's most critical to be eating particularly if you're training again later that day or you're training again the next day so it's sort of listen to your body but also understand what's going on in your body and understand what it needs and and when and why and I think that's well kind of biggest thing it's like yeah we're nutritionists but we want to educate we want to impart the knowledge and understanding so we can create some autonomous athletes that actually rather than just say eat this it's like they understand when and why 
uh, and how it's going to benefit them so yeah yeah absolutely that's so key really understanding what's going on and so Fran you mentioned they're opting for the full fat versions I think that's something that some people maybe as a result of social media and stuff do feel some fear around doing and especially if you're eating more calories, does that mean you should be increasing the recommended guidelines for, you know, how much fats, carbs, proteins you should be having equally as you kind of increase the calories? Or should you be focusing on increasing your carbs only, but keeping, say, you know, saturated fats at the recommended amount? Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got these recommended guidelines, but really, I mean, how much do we apply those in terms of reading packets and and doing it against okay I should be having this much I think it comes down to again as Kate said you know we're here to provide education and I think if you have a bit of a framework around how to build a meal and snack and what to include in that then you don't need to be reading a packet of something to think about what you're having When we look at fats, obviously, we want to be prioritizing those healthy fats, um, and they tend to be things like plant-based fats. So, you know, your olive oils, your avocado, your nuts, your seeds, that kind of thing, as opposed to the saturated fats that comes from animal products and that are in, you know, cakes and things like that, which are fine, but it's about, you know, the balance of those things. And then when we're looking at building a plate I think a good guideline is having like having a tick list and we we do this on our on our Instagram when we're doing meal when we're doing a recipe or something we say right okay here's the carbs here's the color i.e fruit and veg here's the healthy fats and here's the protein and if you can tick those four things off in your meal and in your snack then you're going to be you know doing okay and obviously the the proportions of those things may vary and we can talk about kind of you know before training and after training you know before training you want to prioritize carbs more and after training you you know you want a mixture of protein and carbs so the the quantities will vary but if you're ticking off those things then um you're on your way to getting a more balanced diet I think as well, like, yeah, I, I understand that people that there is a reluctance to go all full fat because it, it doesn't sound, it's just fat isn't a great name. It should be called, I don't know, I don't know what it should be called, just lipids or something because it's just unappealing. Um, but actually, ultimately, it's just more calories and calories are just energy. So more energy is therefore a good thing because then you go and spend more energy. Um and often what happens, what we find is when people sort of trust the process and start to eat a bit more and put more in, actually what they see is their performance goes like this. Yeah, you guys wouldn't have seen that, but she made the upwards gesture with her hands. So performance will increase is is the message. And they actually just got much more energy to spend. So actually it doesn't get stored in the body. They're just actually more efficient at moving and training and, and feeling better because they've got more and en- more available energy to use. So it is a it is a kind of trust the process thing. And we we get it and, and absolutely understand that for some athletes that's going to be harder to to sort of adopt and, and adjust to than others. Um but ultimately it's about finding, yes, small ways where you foods to give you most bang for your buck. So you've actually got 
um, yeah, it's a nice switch. You, so a, a glass of whole milk will give you a, a lot more energy than the equivalent glass of, of skim milk. So, but without making you feel particularly particularly fuller. Um, so it's those little shifts that and those small things that you do consistently add up and make a big difference over time. I think that's what we kind of another key message is we're not suggesting people change their diets dramatically because that's not wise or anything. It's just what little things can you add in that can actually then really benefit you over time, those small little habits um, that you do. And like like the thing like the glass of milk before bed, that's a, a brilliant, easy, manageable thing to do that actually we know there's a lot of research on it that, that has a, a great positive impact on your muscles and on recovery overnight. So even sometimes it's like, let's just change one thing or add an extra drink of water throughout the day it doesn't have to be difficult and that's where it's really important that we work with people as an individual because everybody is different not just in terms of physiologically but also taste buds and, and superstitions around racing and all those things that come in we need to be able to nav help them navigate those and say okay let's find your lucky food that actually is also really awesome <laughs> like in terms of fuel so it's all making the human element to it because that's the thing that's important like you know everybody's different and that needs acknowledging so yeah yeah definitely and in terms of kind of these small changes that people can make especially for people who are maybe looking to get a bit more energy in without maybe realizing it so much have you got any kind of tips or things that that come to mind straight away I think in terms of eating more without necessarily I think it's a frequency so you know if you're eating more regularly, so maybe every two to three hours instead of every three to four hours, then you're going to naturally get more energy in. Going for more energy dense foods, as, as we've mentioned, as Kate said, a glass of full fat milk versus semi skimmed is going to give you more calorie or more energy without, you know, necessarily making you feel much fuller. Other things like a, a spoon of tea, uh, peanut butter in your smoothie or a sprinkle of some seeds on your salad or your vegetables or in your cereal or in your granola, those small things that they're, they're really energy dense or an, half an avocado in your smoothie, you can't taste it. It just adds to the texture. But in terms of nutrient, it's, and it's delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, those small things. They they can yeah make quite significant differences. Or the I think yogurt probably is the full fat yogurt is a I know you said that about the milk, but that's a that's a good one as well. So yeah, those those little things and the nuts and the seeds, the avocado, the peanut butter, they're also really nutrient dense as well. And they're all foods that are brilliant for athletes because they're um, help reduce inflammation they're also very important for hormone health so which obviously really key for female athletes so it's it's foods that have multiple benefits but with minimum effort yeah that makes sense and I mean I guess we've kind of touched on it but to you know clarify it in terms of there being this concept of good foods and bad foods what's the situation with that I mean, we don't put labels on foods. There isn't a good food or a bad food. Food doesn't have a moral value. And different foods provide us different things at different times. So, you know, broccoli isn't kind of shouldn't be on a pedestal as and cake shouldn't be like in the bin. It's they give us different things and and that's all good. But it's about the balance of them. So, you know, we need certain foods in greater amounts than others. And yeah, I, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, the more that we put labels on foods or the more that we demonize things or say, oh, we can't have that or I shouldn't have that, 
the the greater the desire for that and the the less healthy relationship in our head we have with that so yeah I don't think any food should be called good or bad yeah and it's actually it's so common to hear it I think people say it without really thinking and sometimes we hear oh I was really bad today I had to like I had a sandwich at lunch you think oh my gosh it's it's terrible the things that people feel are bad and actually a sandwich is great it's like nice two slices of carb with some healthy bits in the middle like it's actually a really good sports fuel so I think yeah the the only thing bad about it is is feeling that it's bad because it then gives you that sort of emo- you know negative emotional connection with it um and as an athlete so back to what we said at the beginning yeah. we need to eat more than we realize so actually sometimes the what we'd label the sort of less healthy perhaps foods that we need maybe less of are sometimes a good way just to quickly top up if we've got a really solid foundation, we've built the majority of the food that we're having in the day is, is really nutritious and, and healthful. Sometimes that's a good way, especially around training. And I think it all comes back to context because, yeah, um, you know, a bag of sweets is a bit of a rubbish snack at break time at school. But just before training or, in, or a few jelly babies during training, especially if you've got a long session, they're actually a great way to boost your energy. So it's about understanding where it all fits in. So rather than thinking it's good or bad, it's like, where's its role? Where's it going to benefit me the most? And also not forgetting how tasty is it? Like how much do you enjoy it? Because you don't want, just because you're an athlete, doesn't mean you can't go and enjoy cake at a birthday party or or at any time, not just a birthday party. Just allowing yourself the freedom to enjoy mm. the food you like is is a really healthy thing. And that that's what we're trying to achieve as well, which is, I know it's it's very complicated and, we eat for so many more reasons than just because we're hungry or because we're training. There's a lot of emotions involved as well. But I think the more understanding you have about how food fits in in terms of health and performance, the more your sort of intelligent brain can take a hold and the emotional brain can quieten down a little bit. So, and that's a big goal of ours to help people understand more about that relationship with, okay, this is what my body needs. This is what it looks like in a food format or on a plate. This is when I need it oh yeah cool and now I feel great and now and this is what it does and sort of trusting it a bit more and realizing that actually yeah it's a good thing the better you put in the better you get out and I think just to add to that I think it's helping the parents understand that too because as as parents we're influenced by nutritional messages and and our upbringing and and you know the the age that we were brought up in and we have certain kind of ideas around what our kids should eat so our job as well and on our aim is to help give parents that permission for their kids to eat you know certain things um, and help them relax and understand as Kate said how to fuel their young athletes in a way that you know supports them makes them feel good makes them feel happy helps their growth and development and ultimately performance too. And also, yeah, such a good point. Also, give them permission to eat as well because yeah, yeah, totally. a lot of parents of teens are born in 70s, 80s where it was all low-fat diets, yo-yo dieting and have got quite a complicated relationship with food sometimes themselves. And I think um, as parents, we sometimes underestimate how much our habits rub off on our children without us even really realizing so sometimes it's a a good way to educate the parents also as we know you can't open a newspaper or magazine or click on a different google channel without 
finding something else is bad for you or you need to cut this out and everything's about what you need to cut out we're very much about what you need to include and you need to make sure you keep in or if you are cutting things out for any reason understanding what you need to replace it with in order that you're not then missing out so and that is very important for parents and uh, athletes as well yeah absolutely some really key points there so you mentioned you know your ethos being mainly around what to include are there any key things in particular that you think or you see a lot of athletes aren't including that maybe they should be including or any key things that are just absolute musts for athletes? I think one of the things that kind of going back to what Kate was just saying about parents as well is, you know, growing up in an age where carbs are seen as bad and and that rubs off on on young athletes. And, and one of the things we often get is, oh, you know, I shouldn't have that. It's got it's quite high carb and you know carbs for health and growth and performance are absolutely essential um and it's something that we we hear of people cutting out or not including as much as they should do um as a young athlete you know you, the amount of carbs that that you should be eating it is quite high and you should be including them with every meal and with every snack yeah so, yeah something else or two two things uh other things um iron typically uk teenagers or, or teenage girls have very low iron intakes in their diet and aren't meeting the the daily requirements so that's something that we encourage them to be mindful of thinking about source of iron how to include them like breakfast cereals are a really handy one just just to add in which leads me to the other one of breakfast so many young athletes teenagers in general skip breakfast because they don't have time or they don't feel hungry in the morning and that then you miss out on a, a whole meal a big section of, of energy intake for the day ahead so that's something that we see a lot and we're really trying to encourage people to understand why it's important to to change that and why why breakfast is important as well as lots of exams lots of pressure sort of mentally um, and academically and the brain uses a lot more energy than I think we give it credit for so actually if you're trying to sit and, and learn without having any fuel even before we start thinking about trying to train you're you're then trying to play catch up for the whole day and that impacts everything mood your social interactions your social resilience everything's harder if you're hungry and your brain isn't fueled so just that all of those things to think about and yeah breakfast is is a, a big hole basically and yeah. what we kind of try and do is encourage well how do we how do we overcome that obstacle and you don't have to just eat breakfast foods at breakfast you can eat what you want you have pasta for breakfast you have noodles you can have a you know sandwiches wraps some, grab something as you as you leave the house it's trying to kind of help people understand why it's important to fill that gap and what would be good options to fill it with yeah and and I think also within that protein is often low at breakfast time and if we're trying to encourage athletes to have protein evenly distributed throughout the day because our muscles are in that constant state of breakdown rebuild so we need to provide a constant stream of amino acids so that the breakdown doesn't exceed the, the rebuild otherwise we're just getting kind of progressively depleted from training rather than getting fitter faster stronger which is what the aim always is but you need building blocks to build that so it's trying to help people understand okay what are your protein requirements and what does that look like over a day in terms of food and actually how do you how do you fit that in and 
how do you distribute that through breakfast snacks and, and meals and um, because that is that is one thing we see quite a lot isn't it Fran yeah yeah so you mentioned there kind of having low protein at breakfast and you know low iron being something that you know a lot of girls do struggle with what do you recommend specifically for increasing protein at breakfast and avoiding low iron so protein at breakfast so things like greek yogurt brilliant really easy high protein food you can get the squeezy yogurt pouches that got 25 grams of protein you can eat them as you run out the door that's a great quick easy way breakfast cereals are uh, a lot of them are fortified with iron. Fran did a post recently about Weetabix and just how just two Weetabix is going to give you your, how much of your daily iron? Of- so two, two Weetabix, it will give around about 30% of your daily iron requirements with two. So if you have three Weetabix, then, you know, you're on to halfway really. And, you know, and I think cereals are often seen as I had a conversation with someone the other day a mum who was like but I just don't buy too many cereals because I know they're like really processed and not great but actually you know things like obviously Weetabix is is a great one and is fortified and is whole grain but things like shreddies they do have sugar in but they're not really high in sugar cornflakes rice krispies you know they're they're all fortified they all all have cheerios you know it's fortified with calcium on top as well so what bowl of cornflakes like 50 percent of your vitamin d um daily vitamin d intake so it's you get more than you're bargaining for like so that's a great snack and and obviously you have it with milk so then you get the calcium so it's it's yeah we're kind of we're fans of of cereals but but they don't have much protein so which is why often there is that gap at breakfast time so they have they have carb and they have uh, micronutrients, but yeah, there is that little bit of protein gap because the amount of milk you have on your cereal doesn't generally sort of constitute a, what would be an optimal serving. But things like baby bell cheeses, they're they're easy and you can bung them in your bag. They're they're quick and easy options. Eggs are great for breakfast if you've got well, I say if you've got more time. Actually, scrambled eggs only take a couple of minutes, don't they? Or you could have the boiled eggs ready in the fridge or pancakes if you've made them already with with eggs and some greek yogurt in the mixture that there are ways to do it and it's obviously a sliding scale depending on how much spare time that you've got in the morning or you can have a sandwich like make it like a chicken sandwich or something often people think of peanut butter as a protein source but actually to get a good amount of protein from peanut butter you pretty much have to eat the whole jar which is then like a very lot of calories which is not a bad thing it's a healthy fat and it's fiber and it's a great source of vitamin e and um but it's it's not really what we would consider a, a good protein just going back on the iron thing um as well you're saying kind of how do we make sure that that we're getting sufficient iron i think it's it's having a variety of things in our diet so cereals are great it's like fortified foods and including different, like obviously meat, high in iron, but things like beans and pulses, soy, dried fruit as well. They're all good sources of iron, but also a, a good top tip really. And this is a good one for breakfast too, with fortified cereals is to have something that, like a piece of fruit that's high in vitamin C because vitamin C aids iron absorption it helps your body use the iron from the food so something like slicing some kiwi or strawberries on your cereal will help your body absorb that iron or um, having a glass of juice with it as well yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think moving again back to protein, there's a lot of hype these days about, you know, protein powders. It's all about getting the protein in. How much of this is true? How much of this is social media? You know, what's what's the real deal with with protein? It always makes me laugh. Anytime I go to the shop at the end of my road, which is actually too frequently, that now, like what used to be just like Kinder bars and chewing gum is literally now uh, Mars bar protein, Snickers protein, everything's protein and it's like why why has the world gone mad for protein and that is a thing it's because it's become trendy it's become popular we haven't suddenly all had an increased need for protein our our bodies have not changed since humans were invented like but it's just because so it's all about marketing and money and they're really expensive they're not necessary it is perfectly easy to get sufficient protein in your diet from from food and also those food sources are sources of other nutrients as well um but sometimes it, you know, life is busy and we're rushing from school to training and sometimes it's easy and it's convenient to to grab a bar. But it's really, really important for athletes, particularly as, as you go through your careers and the, the higher you get up, to really, really be aware of what, what you're putting in your body. And it's ultimately down to you to be responsible for, for knowing that what you are putting in your body is, is safe, first and foremost for health, but also has been batch tested and is is free or as as from any contaminated substances or anything that could risk your um, integrity in sport so you must only pick up a bar if it's got a back in the informed sport it's a logo that's regular says it's been regulated for safe use in sport and this is where it can get tricky for young athletes because well inadvertently you might pick something up and it's actually got a, a protein powder that might have other things in it so we would actively discourage any protein products there's there is one that is um, researched and regulated for safe use for young athletes but it's only one but you go into any shop and you are kind of you know mind blown by the amount of bulking powders protein powders protein this protein that but it doesn't mean they're better it just means they're more expensive and actually two baby bell cheeses i know it's not so cool but it will give you the same amount or, and, uh, and cheaper as well <laughs> there was a really great post by someone and it just was called it said oh well this is embarrassing or this is awkward and it was the normal product versus the protein version of that product so there was bread the protein bread Weetabix protein Weetabix various things and actually the protein co- content was so marginally higher but the price was about three times the amount so it's actually being like kind of a critical thing is like hang on a minute whose benefit is that for is it for the person that's making money out of that product or is it for mine and I think with a broader understanding of what foods contain what amounts of protein it becomes easier to get into habits of going okay yeah that's a good amount that I have at my breakfast and that's a good snack for me and then building your nutrition that way because yeah otherwise I think if you know you can just quickly grab a, a protein shake you then neglect proper food or don't really think about the proper food which just gives you so many more nutrients and other benefits to that so as appealing as it is we're building bodies for the long-term investments in ourselves so quick fixes generally aren't the best option unfortunately there's always yeah. an exception and the every now and again it's obviously not going to do you any harm if it's regulated but it's good to kind of understand foods and what they give you yeah and um, in terms of you know specifics I think there's a lot of a growing a growing number and a lot of athletes and runners who are veggie or vegan. 
how can people following a diet such as that ensure that they're getting in enough iron, enough protein or, you know, enough nutrients in, in general? Yeah, so there are definitely, you know, a move to more plant-based um, diets, um, which is great from an environmental point of view and a sustainability point of view um, and health as well. And, you know, you can be a healthy vegan, you can be a, a really high-performing athlete as a vegan or a predominantly plant-based athlete. Um, and you just need to be a bit more mindful potentially and, and potentially a little bit more planned than if you were eating kind of meat and dairy side of uh, things. So being mindful of protein is, as you said, uh, an important thing. Um, so, you know, having a variety of plant-based sources of protein in your diet. So things like the different soy products like tofu and tempeh are really good, complete sources of protein. Things like edamame beans, um, peas, lentils, all the different things like kidney beans and chickpeas and all of that. Having those and a variety of those gives us a, a range of different proteins, but also a range of different other nutrients. And thinking about where, you know, are we having a source of vegetarian protein or plant-based protein in each meal and thinking of easy ways of getting protein as well so when we look at uh, things like plant-based milks um, oat milk's one of those things that a lot of people like and it's it's kind of overtaken all the other milks um, but oat milk it's delicious but it's not very high in protein it's got actually virtually no protein in it or, or, or a minimal amount whereas something like a soy milk has equivalent protein to cow's milk so it's a good source of protein and also things like soy yogurts like you can get alpro does like a greek style soy yogurt which is which is a higher protein thing so again bunging that in your smoothie or with your breakfast is a good way of getting some protein as a as a, a plant-based athlete in the morning too other considerations, it's looking at things like your iron. So having good sort of vegetarian sources of iron and things like that are good sources of protein, like tofu and beans and pulses and stuff are also good sources of iron. But also things like dry, uh, dried figs are a great source of iron. Kale um, as a green leafy veg is, is up there. Um Things like um, seeds as well and some nuts are good sources of iron. So again, it's about variety, I think, more as a plant-based athlete. So I was going to say, just sometimes with plant-based athletes, what we find, particularly with the more endurance athletes, we sometimes find that because they're really high in fibre, they can then be at more risk of digestive issues during longer runs because that the, the majority, if you're eating a really nutritious plant-based diet, is really quite high fiber so it's about again if you've got a competition coming you've got a run coming up reducing your in your fiber intake a little bit so switching from like brown rice to white rice around races is important because for obvious digestive reasons but sort of so understanding because and particularly for people that are just changing their diets and just adopting a plant, more plant-based diet because you need to train your gut to to manage all this so it's always like, again, like make those changes gradually. Otherwise, a big change can be overwhelming and you don't want to sort of sacrifice a performance because of a stomach problem when you've trained really hard and your body's in great shape and your muscles are good and you're cardiovascularly really fit 
and then your stomach lets you down so it's about um yeah eating right around timing it right around your training as well so we'd always say for plant-based athletes that go a little bit lower fiber um before a race i know that's totally changed the topic from the sub the question that you asked but i just while i was thinking of it um, i think it's quite important to consider for plant-based athletes yeah, yeah definitely. definitely i think especially with running that's such a key one it puts so much strain on the stomach yeah and i think that's a that's one of the objective concerns that we often get is that people say well, i don't really want to eat before races because a i'm nervous or b because i didn't want to have stomach ache during the race or i don't want to need the toilet so again it's it's finding what works for you and everyone's different some people can eat like 20 minutes before a race and not have any problems and some people can't eat you know need about three four hours before and some people can't eat, feel like they can't eat anything due to nerves so it's trying out things in practice and training to understand how it feels in your stomach and sacrifice a training session rather than a race and work it out until we find the thing that actually feels best for you and gives you that good energy physically and mentally and then it's really nice psychologically when you know you've nailed it and you know the thing that you eat the night before and the morning of <clears throat> excuse me and just before the race that then gives you that biggest spring in your step yeah nothing to do with vegan and vegetarian diet sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and just quickly to put it back to the you know very very key point there to put it back to the vegetarian and vegan diets those foods are in general a, a bit less energy dense and I mean, the uh, can of beans, if you if you look at the serving size, the protein tends to not be more than like four grams per portion. How do you then, how does that then compete with maybe the higher amounts of protein offered in meat or the greater energy densities offered in maybe non-vegan alternatives? Do you have to eat more when you're on a more plant-based diet? Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think the, there is, a, and that's why you kind of need to think about planning it a little bit more. I think it's also being aware of combining those foods with other things. So, for example, having like beans, so beans on toast, for example, if you were to have some seeded bread with that, um, that would give you more protein. And and that, you know, a couple of slices of seeded bread, or depending on the size, could be between eight to 10 grams of protein. So combine that with the beans and then you're getting up to kind of a decent serving of protein and you have you have a yogurt as a you know as a pudding um then you know you've got that kind of recommended amount you know serving size you might need more of those things you you definitely need to be including protein regularly and you know there are some if you we've talked about protein powders you know it might be that you would want to go for a plant-based protein powder in a smoothie to help boost your protein intake. But again, it's making sure that there is um, it's an informed sport certified and that it's an add-on, not you use that instead of the food. I, yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just getting that mind, switching that um, kind of mental process into thinking, okay, so I'm plant-based, am I having enough? and questioning what you're eating or just observing what you're eating because we're all creatures of habit and we do what we always do. But if those habits are good, then obviously that's great. But if there are gaps, then over time those little gaps add up and and then can 
create sort of health problems and certainly performance problems. So it's just encouraging any plant-based or any athlete, whatever their dietary preference is, to just actually take a look at the plate. And like Fran said before, can you identify your carb, your protein, your healthy fat, your color? And that's a really nice, simple way to just start thinking about, okay, what is on my plate and how is it going to make me feel and how how is is it enough? And just, just yeah, starting to to kind of tie that in with what's ahead of you that day. And things like, yeah, the, like the seeds, like Fran was saying, the yogurt pudding, add some granola, add some seeds in that. Then suddenly you can almost double the energy and nutrient density of that or have some avocado with your with your beans and little things like that or a bit of olive oil a bit more olive oil on your um toast like as instead of a spread those little little kind of energy increase or calorie increases then add up if you're doing that at each meal yeah absolutely yeah and so i think one thing that we definitely should you know touch on is the menstrual cycle a lot of people find that they feel a lot more hungry when they're on does you know fat gain can be a part of this time of the month you know is this is this the case is this normal what what's the situation there yeah, one thing that i think is is important to put in here because a lot of people say oh i'm such a pig when i've got my period and i'm always hungry and kind of beat themselves up about it a bit give yourself a hard time but actually we know there's a there's growing research which is great because it is a really understudied area that actually during the luteal phase your bmr does increase so actually your energy requirement does go up so it's not just that you're being a pig and you're hungry you actually do require more your your body temperature also goes up your heart rate goes up so it's a physiological need to put more fuel in the tank and it's again all back down to education and the more you understand about what's going on in your body the more you can give yourself a break, like training's meant to feel really hard at certain stages. And there's certain stages where actually your body's more adjusted to using carbs for fuel or more adjusted at using fat for fuel. But it's such a big and interesting area. And we would encourage all young female athletes to, to really try and understand a bit more about it or to look into it and understand how it impacts you well, rather than just from the, the fact of having a period, actually the knock-on effects that has on appetite and performance and recovery and all of those things. So you can kind of give yourself a little bit of a break around it and also just open communication around it. Discuss it with a coach because certain training sessions are going to be better than others at, at different stages of the cycle. And I know if you've got a whole load of girls in a group it's going to be difficult to tailor to each to everybody but it's just kind of putting it out there and factoring it in um or even if it's just for yourself so you can sort of understand what might be coming in and in terms of like at that phase so from sort of ovulation to beginning of period your body temperature goes up a bit so then you're more at risk of dehydration so in the summer when it's hot and you're training you might need to have more drinks at training or have more kind of um Hydrating foods in your diet, like sort of watermelon, cucumber, things like that, are just good things to include at that. But and just just quickly, the you know the other end of the scale is if you know one of the the biggest kind of sign, key signs of underfueling is missing or irregular or skipping periods, and it's um, just so important that although that's really common now, that you realise that isn't normal and it's a, it's a sign that your body's not getting what it needs. And it's really important to not just think, oh, it's handy, I'm not having a period, I don't have to worry about it. Actually speak out or tell your parent or tell someone that you trust and then you can seek some some help to get it back on track. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think it's, I think it's more 
um, uh, people are more aware of that now than they used to be. But there was, I had a conversation with someone the other day that was saying about their coach saying, oh yeah, it's quite common for kind of young runners not to get periods. Like that was okay. And it's, it's that kind of making people realize that's really, that's a sign that your body is shutting down and a function to preserve energy because you're not getting enough. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of, you know, that increased BMR and the biological changes that are occurring, how do the nutritional needs actually change when someone is, you know, on their period? To be honest, there isn't, there is not enough studies say kind of what we should be having at certain times of our period. Um, and the general consensus is as more studies are needed to, to quantify the impact of the menstrual cycle on kind of physical performance and, and things like that. Um, I think really boringly, <laughs> it comes down to getting the basics right, getting your foundations right, having a, if you have a good, you know, balanced diet, then throughout your kind of uh, cycle that will help obviously you know we're, when we're looking at um hormones and, and reproductive cycle things like having omega-3 fatty acids in our diet is really important and it, you know going back to, to looking at the plant-based thing that is something that will be lower if you're not having any oily fish and uh, we would recommend if, if people weren't that they're making sure that they're having things like flaxseed and walnuts um and things like rapeseed oil but even so i would still if you're not having oily fish regularly uh recommend an omega-3 supplement from uh, overall brain heart hormone health side of things yeah yeah absolutely and so just to wrap up now we've got a couple of questions from some listeners so matcha tea is that is that a fad or is that something that's really got tangible health benefits? Well, matcha tea is essentially green tea. Um, and green tea is a, you know, there are some studies around green tea. It's shown that it could have a positive impact on our heart health, on our bone health as well. People who drink tea, um, there's been some studies around it has a positive effect on bone health. And obviously for females and female runners, um, that's a good thing. But, you know, if you like it, drink it, but don't drink it because you think it's going to be this wonder thing because it's not, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good addition to your diet, but it also for, for, especially when we're looking at young athletes, it's lower in caffeine than tea and coffee, but it still does contain caffeine. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for teenagers, but for a, a young adult, fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's also quite high in antioxidants. The only one thing to probably be um, a bit mindful of is sometimes it's in the blended with other things that might be on a potentially banned list. Like often it's combined with things like ginseng or other kind of herbal things that we wouldn't be able to say, yeah, take that because it's not regulated and it's not batch tested for safe use in sport. So just things like that. It's just important to just always be aware of, of what it is that you're putting in your body. Yeah. Absolutely. And for a 5k or 10k runner, what would you recommend? I, I guess it's quite general, but for say a breakfast or dinner? I think we would recommend what works, for, like what you've tried before. Like uh, if you've got a race the next day, say lunch on the next day. So dinner the night before would be a carb, a carb rich, low fiber, carb rich dinner. So like white pasta, white rice, 
with a easy digestible protein source. So something like chicken, if you're if you eat meat um, or like a noodles and tofu, if, if not, but lower fiber just for digestive reasons for on the run the next day. Um, something like a banana perhaps before bed just to add a bit of extra extra carb in and then in the morning of race it's start, something that you've practiced in training before so things like porridge and banana and honey are great pre-race breakfast or bagel with banana and peanut butter or eggs on toast it they're good things that kind of low give you lasting energy before your race but we would also say so ideally that breakfast would be three hours from race start. But then you'd kind of want to then top up about an hour before race start with something like lighter, like a banana or a like a, a frizzly bar or something. And then about 15 minutes before, you'd want to just a quick energy boost, even if it's just like a few jelly babies or something. So it's sort of carbs are key. That's the key consideration. But it's carbs that you're used to, carbs that you've tried before. Easy digestible, low fiber carbs would be the kind of, the key thing and also keep hydrated make sure that you're drinking plenty of water you've had a glass of water before you go to bed and or if it's a really hot day like an electrolyte before or bed or a glass of milk and so you sort of start hydrated and and stay hydrated is is the key really yeah okay and final final question what would you say is the most important nutritional advice for a female runner eat eat regularly (laughs) um enjoy your food you know think fuel fuel for your performance like so fuel in and around training food's a really important part of your training it helps you get out if you're putting the hard work in training food is going to help you get the benefit from that training and food is a key part of or nutrition is a key part of the the training and performance process so if we're not thinking about it there's a big gap that we're missing out on and you know athletes are competitive so getting your fuel right is a great thing you can control that can give you that competitive edge over someone that maybe isn't getting their fuel right and these are all all the little things the margins between the people that you're racing are often really small so if you can give yourself the confidence and and that sort of knowledge that you put the best thing in your body you know you step on that track or on the field or whatever your event is feeling confident that you're fueled and and um, ready to perform and i think that's the key that that nutrition is part of the training kit and it's it's a shame that it's been overlooked for so long but it's great if you start to think about it and often it's brilliant if people are performing well but haven't really thought about their nutrition yet we think that's exciting because you think if you're doing this well already how well could you do if you then start to feel better um what are the what are the um potential what's the potential so yeah it's exciting and also so you guys you know for anyone who's looking for some further guidance advice Fran and Kate they've got the performance canteen an amazing resource out there where can people looking to get maybe in touch with you guys or you know some further information where can they where can they head okay so people can find us at performance underscore canteen on instagram they can find us at um on our website at www.performancecanteen.co.uk and a little bit on tiktok at performance canteen getting there no but thank you so much it's been great having you on and hopefully you know there's lots of little gems in here stuff that you can all take away i think the key is you know how important nutrition is you know it really is it really is more than just a little one percent it's a key part of training Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. And well done for all the great work you're doing as well. Thank you. So that's it for today. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, be sure to rate, subscribe and leave a review. This really helps to get the content out there. I'm new to this, guys, and I want to make this podcast the best possible for you. So go follow Fitter, Faster, Happier on Instagram. That's Fitter, Faster, Happier to leave your questions, comments and feedback and for updates and guest requests. All the best for the week ahead, guys. Run happy, live happy, be happy.